You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Yes. Well, I could use the heat at this end, so maybe we do need to get him fired up. He's got steam. Give him a rant. I'll just get some marshmallows and weenies out here, and I'll have a good old time. Well, Sounds good to me. We don't, uh, you know, you guys have got your weenies out, and we're trying to get a show started. And welcome, folks, to GSE 170, where we've got the hot weenies out and ready for you to go this week. How are you? I want to welcome our usual cast of comedic characters. I can't think of another K to throw in there. Mr. Mark Greentree and Mr. Mike McPeak. How are you gentlemen doing today? Outside of sounding like a perv, I saw I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bad either. Ah, you're not good, but uh, you're not bad, so we'll go with yeah, that. I, I, look, I, I'm never good, but, you know, I'm always a happy-go-lucky kind of fella. Well, mm. my horns keep giving me away all the time, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're happy and you go wherever you want, is that what you're saying, Mark? If you're happy and you like it, what, what is it? If you're happy and you like it, clap your hands. If Oh, great. Now Mark's got the clap. Oh, well. <laughs> you went there about two seconds ahead of me. I'll do a whole song there and there. No, actually, I won't. Kevin already hit the recording button, and this is the intro. And, and listeners, I'm sorry. Yes, folks, we are sorry for Mark. No, it's uh, we're lucky to have Mark with us tonight. He's been having just a wee little bit of uh, internet connectivity troubles. Yeah, unfortunately, about, uh, well, 13 hours ago, now my internet died on me, and uh, and I had to call up the telecommunications company, got through straight away, uh, no waiting or anything, absolutely fantastic, that's Telstra in Australia, they're, they're pretty good once you do get in touch with them, um, and it would take a couple of days to fix whatever the problem is, it was already escalated to a, a tier two um, issue, and it just... Out of nowhere, the internet just dropped out, and I swapped routers around because, of course, being a geek, I keep a spare router. Uh, so that by the time I did call technical support, I can say, well, I've already tried that step. Let's move to the next one. Uh, so I, I keep two of everything uh, because I've got to tell you, life without the internet just is not worth living. It's uh, We're so connected. <laughs> it scares the living crap out of me not to have internet connectivity. It really does. It's like... You know, I, I went and I spent sixty, uh, yeah, fifty nine dollars today to get four gigabytes of cellular data, so that I could not only do this call but do all my work and and do everything else I need to do. Now, mind you, I'm not going to be able to stream down video or watch that porn I had planned for later on. But the the simple fact of the matter is, I'm you know we're we're so connected that it's hard to live without it. And what I found interesting this morning, my kids got up and they just looked at me and they're like. Daddy, this won't work. Yeah, the the iPad won't work. I and it's like yeah, because the internet's down. And then they go and do something else and want to play a game. Oh, that won't work either. And it's like no, the internet's down. It doesn't work. And I tell you, trying to get kids to understand who have grown up and know of no time without internet, they just don't get it. I know. And, and, and I'm like, but hold on a sec. This, this is, I remember the days before we had internet, and then I remember the days of dial-up. And, and remember, even on dial-up, we'd get kicked off the network periodically, and, and then ADSL, early days of ADSL was hit and miss. And, and you know, look, I, I have pretty good reliability, um, but I probably have one issue a year, I'd say, which isn't too bad, and I don't know what it is. 
I assume it's uh, something that's happened at the the local node um, because it's it's nothing on my end that I can possibly fix. Um, but the strange part was they actually had it working for about two and a half hours uh, this morning. And then just as we went to start the recording and, and connect up here, everything just died again. It just went, nope, cannot connect. And I went, uh Yeah, now Mark doesn't get to gaze upon the loveliness and and, and un, unbiased beauty of Mr. McPeak and myself. Well, I don't mind checking Mike out, but Kevin, shows I've been checking you out for years. I know, I felt your eyes burning on me. Okay, oh. pardon me while I sit over here and be creeped out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, you're right. I know my kids, uh, when we traveled, and I've talked about that, uh, the place we stay down in Tennessee, there is almost no internet connectivity. I mean, you know, when you and I tried to Skype this past summer, Mike, or Mark, uh, and yeah. I was trying to show you all around the cabin and stuff that we were staying in, it was tenuous at best, the connection I had. Oh, yeah, it, it was spotty. I mean, we had, it, we, we'd have like five frames per minute if we were lucky. And, uh, I'm, I mean, we, you know, look, we could see and it, it was there, but it was spotty. It was dropping in and out. And, I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is there's still a lot of the world, and it doesn't even have to be third world countries, but, you know, still a lot of first world countries like America, like uh, the UK, like Australia, New Zealand, all those types of countries that still have black spots of, of internet access where either there's no cellular data or if there is, it's very spotty. Uh, even in big cities, we, there, there's another problem that exists, of course, because there can be too many people trying to connect and, and simply not enough bandwidth. And that's what happens when you go to the, the coffee shop and you try to get on their Wi-Fi and, and the, the guy two tables over is downloading porn. Well, there's no way you can check your emails adequately then because it, nothing else is coming down the pipe. It's just what he's downloading. Yeah. So it, it's really, we, we think a lot that the internet is just synonymous and it's always there, it's always on, but for many people it's not. Some people I know in Australia, even in uh, even in fairly good areas that, you know, uh, are, are close to the cities, can't even get ADSL or cable. They've got to rely on dial-up of all things. Uh, where I live, I can't get cable, unfortunately. It doesn't come out this far. I can get satellite, but no, I'm not going to spend five or $600 a month on internet access. Uh, the, the funny thing is, the uh, 4G LTE on the iPhone runs about four times faster than my ADSL landline connection. I'm not kidding. It's absolutely superb, but the problem is the data costs so much money. I mean, four gigabytes cost me $59. Yet, for 500 gigabytes of my landline connection, I'm only paying $113 a month. So you kind of, you look at it and you go, gee, why is it so bad? I, I can get so much, uh, a much better speed, but they're just not giving it for the right price. And look, I, I understand that technology as it's new and this is still kind of classed as new, certainly, I, I guess, from maybe the smartphone kind of thing, but they don't give you everything in one go. I mean, I remember... Um, 10 years ago, the, the small data caps we had, and it was just like, wow, we're, we're getting at least 10 times what we used to get but well, you know, for the same price. But I don't want to wait anymore, guys. I, I, 
I want unlimited bandwidth in the home on my cellular device now. I, I, I'm prepared to... I, for that, I'd pay a couple of hundred dollars per month to not have to worry about it, to be sitting in a coffee shop using my iPhone, downloading my own goddamn porn. Yeah, I'm, I would love <laughs> to have the same thing too because it would let me get rid of a lot of other things if I could just add one big pipe out to the web. That's, that's the big thing because although they don't have a cap on right now, in theory we have a 250 gigabyte cap per month uh, through cable. They're not enforcing it. I I approach about 200 gigs of data a month on average, I think. Maybe 180, I think. I can't remember what the current rolling average is. So, yeah, I would love to have that because then cable television, frankly, there's not enough stuff on there. I'd stream everything. Well, I stream all TV content now anyway because um, I don't watch traditional over-the-air TV. Um, that's just dead for me and cable tv i got rid of about two years ago now and i got rid of it because it was as bad as commercial television with the ads and when pay tv first came to australia the whole promotion thing was uh ad free television so you would pay your subscription and then there would be no ads well that kind of eroded over time and and now that's not the case at all now there's as much as as free to air television so it's like you know what i'm not paying and watching ads as well and that's double dipping yeah it is uh at least that's my personal opinion too but you know it hasn't been that many years ago that i couldn't get real big uh synchronous broadband uh here where i live the only thing i could get was asynchronous basically i had a big pipe coming down and I still mm-hmm. had to have a modem to dial in to go up. Wow. That was, okay. it, it was that way from 99 till about 2003 or 2004. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's almost counterintuitive. I mean, look, yes, that, that does work. You know, you get the, the download, unless you're hosting your own stuff uh, or uploading a lot of stuff to different servers. Uh, the download's always going to be where you really truly need the speed. Uh, but at the same time, to have them separate, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, it was, and then it was paying for the extra phone line and, and all that, too, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to tie up the main phone line. But you talk about areas that don't have a lot of bandwidth. I know, Mike, you've talked a couple times about what you have to deal with to get broadband in your small town. Well, yeah, and we have a... Um, we. In this part of the country, we have a uh, rural cooperative that provides us our cable TV, our internet, and our telephone. And it covers about the eastern third of South Dakota. It's a bunch of different uh, – it's all under one uh, utility here. But uh, like I say, it's a member-owned cooperative. But, um, yeah, and we're kind of spread out here, and they have, like, you know, T1 lines between the towns. And uh, last year – or two years ago, I believe it was – we finally got fiber optics in town here. Uh, my speed is, um, I think, 15 down and 3 up. Um, well, you're that, doing better than me. Yeah, it's I get, about I get ten down in real world usage, and one up. Yeah, and see, we're paying about fifty dollars a month. There are places that are cheaper, but like I say, a lot of people they don't compare them properly because a lot of them will say, "Well, you know, the ones in Watertown, which is a bigger town, which is like about twelve thousand people, they only have to pay like thirty dollars a month for what we're getting." But you know, the thing is with uh, this. 
these guys being spread out all over the state, they have a lot of uh, miles of transmission lines that they have to maintain. So their price is going to be more. But I still don't think it's bad. If I wanted to pay a little bit more, I could get a little. I do kind of wish my upload speed was a little better sometimes. Um, there's uh, times faster than me, Mike. <laughs> this is true. Well, I was trying to upload a video to Facebook the other day, and my wife came down and, and uh, said that she was trying to play a game, and I was hosing her uh, uh, her <laughs> game. So, uh, oh, that's great. <laughs> well, yeah. it was a it was a Facebook game, but <laughs> I, I I must admit the the upload it does get very restrictive when you've got more than one thing trying to upload at a time. Um, it's it, it's really not managed well, um, and I, I guess there's no unless it's on the single on one single system. There's no real true way to manage it well at the router. But it'd be nice to be able to turn around and say give priority to uh, this computer and not this iPhone, and and sort of have it in a tiered kind of system where you know what. Uh, this is a work machine, or this is the most important machine to me. Or guess what? I pay the bills, and I I, I work to pay the bills, so I have the the full access, and then everyone else has to go slow. You know, right. you, you nice can do that. that. You know, you can do that. Right? Can you? Yeah, yeah, you can get a. Uh, there's different types of equipment that you can get that'll let you prioritize your traffic. Well, even the <laughs> router. There you uh, go. Some routers do it too. I got a D-Link I've, I've router. Only, I've only, yeah, I, I don't have the greatest um, router in the world, but yeah. yeah. It should be under QoS quality of service or something like that, and you can assign priority. So if you have somebody that's streaming a movie or playing a game and they need a little more, you can tweak it so they get more and everyone else gets a little less. Yeah. Now, now my bandwidth on average, I'm averaging, I think, around 25 down and about five or so up. I don't know what I'm actually supposed to get, but that's where it averages out to be. Sometimes I get close to 10 up. I think I'm supposed to get more like that. But again, it's cable, so it's shared. So it's time of day. This time mm. of day, it's almost 10 o'clock at night here on the East Coast. So, you know, less in Sunday night. So a lot of people are going, oh, shit, I got to go to work. You know, so they're all, <laughs> they're dragging their sorry butts, except for those watching the Downton Abbey finale, um, are dragging their butts to bed. So, um, yeah, it's it's not bad. I mean, I can't really complain, but it's not cheap. I think if I were to just buy the internet service by itself, it'd be costing me around $80 a month. But then if you throw cable in, they reduce the price and they do all this other hokum magic with it. But yeah, yeah it is what it is. But I don't have any other choice. I, there's nothing else available. I can't get ADSL. I can't get, uh, well, I could get dial-up, I guess. Um, but I, I, there is nothing else available here except for satellite, and that's god awful expensive and crappy speed. So, yeah, very true. So, but speaking of television and television companies, a uh, somebody that started out their career, at least as far as most of us remember, uh, we was uh, lost this week. With very sad to note that uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away this week. To most people, he's known as Mr. Spock, but he actually did a whole lot of other things. I mean... Well, the one thing I'd like to point out is that he did a lot of the voice work in uh, Civilization IV. Um, mm-hmm. 
when they have the cut scenes or whatever, when you discover a new technology, they always read uh, something or another. And he read a lot of those. And uh, yeah, besides being a you know a talented screen actor, he certainly had that kind of voice that would translate well when you're listening to it. Um, and in, and well, I and I kind of said some of this when we uh, J- Jeff and I recorded Sci-Fi Tech Talk today, and uh, one of the things that was I, I counted Mr. Spock amongst my heroes, along with like Sherlock Holmes and mm-hmm. um, and you know like Abraham Lincoln and some of those people, just because um, he. Uh, the way that he approached the problem, I always tried to be logical and think about things. And and for me, that's kind of a good thing because I do have this emotional half that sometimes just jumps up and goes, hey, let's do this right now. And, the, and my logical side is just sit on, shut up a minute. Let's figure this one out. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I hate that logical side, though, because I kind of do the same occasionally as well. Right. And, you know, and like I say, I always – and just the fact that, you know uh, – I guess I always kind of figured I wasn't going to be the the prettiest guy or the or the most athletic guy, so I might as well try to be the smartest guy in the room. And so, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, I always, like I say, I always kind of try to model myself after you know Mr. Spock and to you know look at things logically and try to uh, you know apply that. And sometimes that'll work uh, for human beings. Other other times it doesn't. But uh, you know, the thing is about. When you have a character like that that's you know emotionless or supposed to be emotionless and logical and everything else, it, it kind of makes a person think more about the human beings around him and the way they act. And it makes uh, his character, you know, maybe makes the others look you know, more human in, um, in contrast there. And he was that good character that made us kind of look at ourselves and think about ourselves and the way we do things and, uh, give us some, some pause once in a while to think about, you know, is this really rational the way we do things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. And I, and I mean, besides being, uh, that he was always spitting out. I, I followed him on Twitter. He was always giving out nice little bits of wisdom and stuff like that. I was always amazed at how he could easily put out in 140 characters a bit of wisdom that always rang true. It would be simple things. I I can't think of one off the top of my head. And he always ended things with the uh, live long and prosper. But when I was reading some of the stuff about him, I was was amazed that I had forgotten all the different things he had done. I mean, he was Mm. a poet. He was an artist. I mean, he was an actor. He was a director, a producer. Uh, he did voice work, as you guys said. I mean, this guy was just—he he recorded albums. I mean, yeah. I mean, he did. He, he was a very, very talented man, and I, I mean, we look at him in the context of Star Trek, but that was only really one small portion of, of his body of work as an artist. Uh, you know, it was effectively uh, three television uh, seasons and and six or seven movies and and cameos in a few of the other uh, seasons and and other films and so forth. So, but yeah, it was only a very small portion, but I I think what was so important was he he made that character an iconic character. You know, you you think of Star Trek and the first thing you think of is Spock. You don't necessarily think of Kirk, you think of Spock. It's it's yeah. just the way it is. It's it's essential. It, it's like thinking of Star Wars without Vader. Uh, really? or without Yoda. No, I it, it was funny we were uh, we had that discussion here in the house and my wife, not a sci-fi person at all, 
uh, and my son's getting into has gotten into sci-fi. He's a, he's a Star Wars. I, you know, again, we've we've talked about it. He mm-hmm. leans to the Star Wars side. I lean towards the Star Trek. And then he was a little disheartened when he heard his mother say, "Yeah, I kind of prefer Star Trek to Star Wars." <laughs> well, you know, for years I preferred Star Wars over Star Trek when I was younger, and I've been thinking about this not recently, but throughout time. And I'm I'm starting to think, okay, well, you know, the sort of testosterone teenage boy kind of thing wanted to, you know, Star Wars and fights and all that kind of stuff. But then the the man who he grew into goes, you know what, I don't want to fight. I, I, I want more peace and I want more tranquility and I want the Star Trek universe where we all work for the common good of humanity, not for the common good of each other, of individuals. And the exploring and the learning and the finding out and, uh, you know, the, the Spock character, you know, the the way of thinking and the logical thought and, and just the aim of doing what's right and doing what's best. And I don't know, I think Star Wars, the, uh, the messages within that get a little bit mixed up and it becomes more wars. It's more a war-based um, franchise. It's more about constant conflict, whereas Star Trek isn't necessarily about constant conflict. And I think that's what a lot of people appreciate who are on the Star Trek side. And very similar, that's, uh, that was replicated somewhat in the Stargate series uh, that was out in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, that kind of idea of, you know what, we don't have to be at war in space. We don't have to take the, the crap that is in humanity out there into space. Let's go exploring. If someone comes, wants to kick our ass, we're going to kick their ass. But if not, we're going to learn from them and expand our horizons. Yeah. Well, and you know, for me, um, I, I, I like both Star Trek and Star Wars, but if it came down to it, I think I would take Star Trek because um, I'm old enough. I grew up watching some of it when it was originally on the air. I remember my brother and I, and I wasn't very old, uh, probably four or something like that. But he came home from college, and we sat down. We were watching Star Trek, so I do remember that. But growing up in that time, uh, in the 60s, because there was you know a big cultural shift going on in this country. They were dealing with... Uh, you know, equal rights for, you know, for the races, for the genders and for everything else. There was a lot of upheaval going on. And I, uh, and one thing we always say on um, uh, sci-fi tech talk is that science fiction is a way for people to explore uh, things without necessarily addressing them directly. So a mm-hmm. lot of race issues was addressed on Star Trek. Uh, and the one I remember the most is they had the the two people, they were white and black, but on opposite sides of their body. Well, because one was the one color on the one side, he was superior to the other. No, the other one was superior. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were just pointing out that, you know, without, you know, put a uh, p- p- pitting the you know the the whites in this country against the blacks in this country or whatever ethnic group uh, you may want to pick they did it by just picking fictional characters and make and saying see this sounds absurd now look at you know the world around you we're doing the same thing and that was one thing i always respected because um they explored a lot of these things and said you know what if we do things differently and you know their uh, gene roddenberry's um 
kind of guidance is, uh, was that, you know, we're all humans. We all live on this rock together. We need to learn to, to work together with one another to improve the future, not to fight, not to, you know, have wars and such, but to, you know, peacefully coexist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that episode you're talking about, the one where you have the, uh, uh, the, the guy that was the half white, half black, if I'm not mistaken, that was Frank Gorshin that played him. Yeah, the Joker. And, yeah, the Joker from Batman. Which I, when I mm-hmm. remember the, one of the first times I saw the episode, I went, "Wait a minute, what's the what's what's the or no Riddler, not the Joker, Riddler, Riddler." I right. said, "What's the Riddler doing on on Star Trek?" And I was going, "Oh no, worlds colliding here. This is not good." Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very weird. But yeah, I mean, now, yeah. go ahead, Mark. Uh, sorry, I was going to just say. Speaking of worlds colliding. Do we do we believe and feel? I certainly do. That uh, Zachary Quinto is Spock two point zero, like the the Spock that can carry Star Trek forward and and pay a great homage to the original character that Leonard Nimoy uh, created. Oh yes, I yeah. think Qu- Zachary Quinto is. Uh, this is going to sound funny. The quintessential replacement for Leonard mm-hmm. Nimoy, or not replacement, but next version of Spock. Uh, yeah, successor. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that they could put the Spock character back into a television series without Quinto playing that role or cameoing on on the show. I, I don't know of anyone else who would be um, even remotely capable of. of Playing Spock, um, and, and it's just it's wonderful. It's it's good to see because over the weekend, um, Nicholas wanted to uh, to watch some Star Trek with me, and we sat down and watched the the two thousand and nine movie, and this was where old Spock meets uh, new Spock, and I, I love that film. And there were just you know moments where uh, you know you sort of get the the goosebumps going up and down your spine because you know it's it's like the man who's there isn't there anymore. Uh, but at the same time, it was such a, a beautiful handoff between the two characters um, that I think years ago it already prepared us for the possibility of, of Nimoy no longer being in the Spock role or being that figurehead of Star Trek that we, we then started to look at Zachary Quinto as the Spock character of the 21st century. Well, you know, the, what really leads you to that, have you seen the Audi commercial with uh, Zachary Quinto? Yes. And Nimoy? <laughs> yeah. That has to be one funny. of the best short things to ever watch in my life. I mean, yes. it is Brilliant. so classic. I mean, and you get back and forth, you know, especially right there at the end where they go, oh, last one in, and he just gives him the little pinch, and down he goes. <laughs> Quinto goes right to the ground. It's 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 just yeah. so classic. I mean, it's it's a way to embrace... And I read that, too, when I was reading up some of the stuff about Nimoy. He said, you know, at first, he, like a lot of the other Star Trek characters, uh, actors that played characters, you know, he shunned the, the, the Trekkies and all the other stuff. But then, eventually, he came back around to embrace it and, and really loved it. I mean, he really got into it. He thoroughly that's enjoyed it. That's why his first book was called I Am Not Spock. Right. Um, and, and then I Am and, Spock. And then I Am Spock came later. So... Um, and, and look, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because uh, the problem with television and, and really any art form, I guess, is that you can be typecast. I mean, if we look at Sheldon's character on The Big Bang Theory, uh, he's r- extremely typecast in that role, almost to the extent where you couldn't watch him in 
other uh, performances without thinking Big Bang Theory. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he does after the Big Bang Theory. In fact, all of them are pretty much typecast at this stage. Uh, now, admittedly, they're making so much money that they'd never have to work again, but I think I, I can say with all honesty that anyone who's an artist who wants to create and, and make people happy via their creation does not want to to just do something and then never do anything again. I, I think it, it's just the drive. So hopefully it won't end up like another Will Wheaton. Yeah, well, you know, and Wheaton's come back around to embrace it. Um and even yes, on the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, but, but see, again, he's typecast on the Big Bang Theory and he's, and they're, they're poking fun. And in fact, all of the next-gen characters from Star Trek on the Big Bang Theory that have appeared have, have, you know, there's been stabs at, you know, them being typecast or their, their little plastic characters and stuff like that. So Yeah, because that's what uh, Nimoy did. He did the voice for uh, the little uh, life, uh, Spock action figure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So... Yeah, so I, I'm, I mean, it, it's typecasting, and I, so I can understand why they they do get that way. So, but guys, you know what? I, I'm going to put on my video camera for a sec because I've, I've got to show you guys something. And and I, I did this with Nicholas on uh, on Sunday actually. And uh, part of me, while I dip out of view and dip out of out of audio, but in homage for for uh, Leonard Nimoy's passing, we built. The um, the cryo uh, enterprise. Yep. Oh boy, it's massive, and and you can't see it properly, unfortunately. And the listeners don't care because they can't see it at all. But you've got everything on the inside, and uh, uh, there goes McCoy. He fell off his chair. Oh dear. Oh, he's been hitting the bottle. Okay, again. but 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 there there is is Spock. There he is. I don't know if you can see him. I, yep. I can't see it too. Too well, but there he is, sitting there, commanding my cryo Lego built, um, and, and it's it's. I mean, it, look, it's it's absolutely it's massive. It's just this massive model, and it, it's super cool. And you got crap rolling around. Oh, the guns are floating everywhere. The phases, I should say. Yeah, they're they're, they're going everywhere, and, and we've got the lights working as well. So, yep, there they go. They're, they're sort of flashing. I don't know if you can see. You probably yeah. can because it's daylight. But, but it, it, it flushes up. And, yeah, just really cool. But you know what? I was so happy uh, that Nicholas actually asked me to do this this weekend. And, and he didn't know that uh, that, that uh, Nimoy, um, you know, had passed away or anything like that. And he doesn't recognize that. He's only, like, seven years old. But uh, I, I just thought it was a special moment when he asked if we could build it together. And um, yeah, it I... was a perfect weekend to do that. I need to build mine. I've had mine for over a year, and I still haven't put it together yet. But I want to have some place to set it. I have that same set. so I, And I want to have a place to set it when I do it. But I just haven't built mine yet. I built the uh, Klingon Bird of Prey, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't built the uh, Enterprise. It's sitting right here, staring at me. I can see uh, Mr. Spock on the box. So it, It's it's very cool, and it's great to do with the kids. And... Um... Yeah, look, it, it, it was just, it was the weekend that it had to happen, let's put it that way. Yeah, if I'd had a better weekend, I might have considered doing it, but had a busy weekend anyway, but we don't need to go into into that. But, you know, speaking of uh, uh, nerd things, I have to confess that 
I have subscribed to a nerd thing. Another one? Another one. And I'll share the link, since we're not doing video, I will share a link with uh, you guys in the chat um, so that you can see what I'm talking about. Well, how, how quick is it going to be, Kevin? Just throw it up if it's going to be quick. No, that's all right. It's easier this way. You can go, okay. have, a look. You can go have a look. This is something that I've you seen. You see me more? Huh? You see me more? You see me more. What? Oh, wrong, 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 I, wrong I, link. Wrong link. I hope this isn't porn. You see me more. <laughs> no, that's actually, uh, no, no. See, if you want to know, that's actually. Um, library. The, that's a link to my local digital library. You see okay. me more. Di- di- digital library. Yes, that's what he calls it. Oh, listeners, don't go to you see me more.com. <laughs> no, now it is. It is the library. So there it is. This is something I subscribe to called Nerd Block. What they do is they once a month they ship you a a mystery package with all kinds of little nerdy, geeky type of stuff in it. And I got my very first one uh, this past week, yeah. and it's really cool. I mean, you, you, they have kind of a theme uh, every week or every month. Uh, but this one had, they had, every month you get a t-shirt, and it had, uh, Flash Sickle was the t-shirt. It's kind of like a takeoff on making fun of the Flash and Dream Sickles mm-hmm. together. Uh, then it had, like, trading cards. It has a Star Wars comic book. It had this neat little uh, notepad that looks like a drum set. And then the pencils are the drumsticks. Mm-hmm. Then it had these other little collecting things that you could put together, and I made into my actually my daughter figured out how to make it into a uh, an iPhone stand out of one of these little things. They're called, and I'll put a picture of the. Uh, they send you a little card every month that explains all the stuff that they put in the box. It's really kind of cool. I think it's like nineteen dollars a month. So once a month you get this kind of geeky nerdy thing that you get to open up and enjoy all the fun out of. It's really kind That's of cool. That's kind of cool. I'm just wondering how what what what's the longevity going to be like? Um, you know, what, when are you going to see repetition occur? I guess is is probably. I, I assume that they they've got some great ideas though, because the site looks excellent. But it's just ah, uh, you know, how much nerd gifty kind of stuff can there be to keep people interested to maintain subscriptions? Well, I mean, they make. Um they have had no repeats to this date and mm-hmm. they've been, they've been in business for a little while now. And like they had an exclusive figure. Now I'm not a, a big follower. I've never actually seen a full episode of, uh, Oh, breaking bad. And we know he, who shall remain nameless and Elisa and, uh, and may, and yeah, are, are, uh, real fans of it. But there was an exclusive figure in this month. It was, uh, the uh, nerd says, "Better call Saul." So it was a little vinyl figure <laughs> of Saul, That's the cool. attorney, and he's got his coffee cup and everything else. So uh, it's really kind of cool. I mean, you know, I thought I'm gonna try it for a couple months and see if I like it. I mean, heck, I piss away more money than that on other stuff. I might as well give it a try to have something fun that's permanent. Now I didn't get the T-shirt for me. I got a T-shirt in the size that every month I'll let one of the kids have the T-shirt. My son took the one for mm-hmm. this month. Um, but that way the girls could use them, too, if they wanted to wear them. But, you know, it's just kind of something different. Like I said, for 19 bucks, I mean, what are you really out? So I, I just thought it was kind of fun since we're geeks and nerds or whatever you want to call us. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a nifty 
nifty idea. I'll give you that much. Yeah, there's. And if you look on YouTube, uh, there's a crapload of videos of people doing unboxing of the Nerd Block of the month, and you can actually search for the the month. There, I opened mine up the day I got it. And by that night, there were about 10 different videos of people undoing the February of 2015 Nerd Block box. Um, but I also think it's an interesting trend. I mean, there's this one. There was, I, I did subscribe to Love, uh, was it Love uh, with Food for a few months, where they sent you all these uh, neat little healthy snacks that you could try. And um, there's all these kind of things out there that are just kind of, they have, like, you can subscribe to, if you had a dog, there's a bark box where you get new dog toys and <laughs> things like that. There's a meow box for cat owners. And I mean, there's That's all cool. these different kinds of things, which I think is really kind of cool. I mean, it's like almost like having a little mini Christmas once a month when you get all these little gifty things. Now, some of it might be junk and end up in the trash, but hey, it's still fun to play with and have it sit around and can make collectibles out of some of it. So, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd share that with you guys and see you you all may want to get a subscription to it. Try it for a month or two just for the heck of it and see what it's like. I mean, I, you never know. I think next month's feature is... Uh, crap, I don't have the card in front of me. They give you a clue as to what the next month is going to feature, where they put things Thank together. You. And they, matter of fact, this month had a Star Wars comic in it. Um, so, I mean, it's always different things like that. So, it's just kind of interesting, fun little... Uh, geeky type of thing to to play with and do, and I'll share the uh, you know as long as I subscribe I'll try to share them with everybody. I did post a picture of the little vinyl figure that Call saw uh, and noted that because I knew Scott and Elisa would both uh, find that interesting because I know they're huge fans of the show. So um, yeah, I know that they there are these different subscription services out there. There's one. Uh, I think I've heard on uh, some podcast somewhere where it's a men's clothing uh, service that you send in, um, you fill out a survey, you send it in, and then each month you get a box of clothes that's supposed to be tailored for your tastes and for your size and everything. And, um, Good Lord, I'm still wearing shirts that are 15 years old. Why would I want clothes every month? Well, I know. The, yeah, my wife just goes out and buys me clothes every once in a while. I say, okay, that's fine. I'm happy. Um, yeah. Because basically I have just one fashion rule, and that is don't be naked. Um, as long as I'm not and, naked. And, and the world is grateful for that, Mike. Yes, I will tell yes. You that. yes. And, so that, and so everyone should be happy. I have that one hard, fast rule that I obey, so everyone should be happy. Get off my case. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not fashionable. I don't follow trends. I don't do that kind of thing. But, you know, I know there's that out there. Um, I know there's, you know, subscription services as a whole. Um, there's all kinds out there. Um, you know, there used to be the Fruit of the Month Club or the Cheese of the Month Club or something like that. Uh, so, you know, it's an idea that's been around for quite a while. And, mm. you know, they're getting some novel twists on it. That Geek Box does certainly seem uh, interesting. Well, yeah, there's even now Netflix for vinyl records. I can't remember what it, what the service is called, but it's only I think it was a Kickstarter thing, and then they're just releasing it in the last month or so. But you can actually subscribe, and they send you a new random record based on on rough interest that you have uh, each each month, and you can keep it as long as you want, or you can send it back to them and and get another one, just like you would with Netflix. It, it's a novel idea, but of course, everyone who I've spoken to who collects records goes, oh, no way. We, we don't want someone else's, uh, you know, 
groove damage on our turntable. Yeah. Well, here, I was looking at subscription services while we're talking here, and here's a oh, an interesting one. It's called iPoo Picker Box. Uh, <laughs> each month you'll get a box with uh, 60 bags in it to uh, bag your dog's poop uh, and dispose of it. I suppose, you know, if you have a dog, if you're a dog owner and you live in a t- uh, place where, you know, they enforce the, the picking of poo things, um, you know, uh, I guess well, that would I be a thing. I do that everywhere. I, I mean, common sense, people. I mean, I, I go walk the kids to school and I, I've got to yank them on either side of the sidewalk because... People are too lazy. They just let the dog go and shit on the damn sidewalk. And it's like, at least let them do it on the grass. Do it on the grass, under a tree. I'm not going to get bent out of shape. It's a dog. The dog can't help it. The owner can. So move the dog. Don't make me have to move the kids or have the kids with shit on their shoe. Anyway, well, rant over. Yeah, okay. Yeah, mini rant. Well, you know, I guess this is something. This way you will get the bags. You will remember to do it because if you got the bags there. And it's 60 bags in one box. Uh, you get it once a month and it's $30 for the box. So 50 cents a bag. I guess that's fine. And um, But, you know, I guess, uh, you know, that it, that's certainly a service. Uh, you don't have to remember to go out and buy them. It comes to your, uh, to your door. Are you supposed to send it back to him afterwards? <laughs> I doubt it. I think you're just supposed to throw the bags away. But well, you know, the, no, it, no, it, no, it could be good manure. Yeah, it smells bad. The, <laughs> <laughs> the um, I'd rather use horse anyway. The uh, but there's a service around here. I see the uh, uh, the trucks around in the area. Not so much my way, but over towards the the DC area where it's a little more densely populated. There's a company that will come around and scoop your backyard up, get all clean all the poop out of your backyard where you had dogs. Uh, God, are, people, are people really that goddamn lazy that they can't clean up after their own pet? Apparently there are because this guy's driving a nice vehicle and going around and Jeez. you know he it's, has. He it's has like a, you know what? Don't get a pet if you don't want to pick up its poop. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just it, but you know. That's that. Get a cat. At least they bury their own. Yeah. Well, you still have to scoop the litter box, but you know that's not so yeah. bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, we got two cats, and it's not that bad at all. So, but because uh, we have to, I dump that once a week. I take the litter litter bu- bucket and dump it once a week. But the woods out back have never looked greener. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, but no, I just thought I'd share that with you guys. I thought it was kind of cool. The uh, yeah, it is. The, the nerd thing. And uh, like I say, listeners, if you want to go out, they actually even have versions made for little kids. And I thought of you, Mark. They have one specific for little boys and little girls, and it's mm. geared towards them. Now, it's the cheaper. It's even cheaper yet. It's like only $14 a month as opposed to $19 a month. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's more for the, I think they said the up to 11-year-olds or something like that. Uh, and they get plushies and different things like that, so... It could be that something. is pretty cool. It could be fun. Go if, if anybody wants to check it out, go to nerdblock.com. And if they're listening, we would love to have you sponsor the show. Shameless plug. Sure. Anyway, anyway, talking about geeky things, we'll, we'll move on to something else that uh, Mark and uh, Mike both called me bad names for when I told them. I've been playing with Windows 10. 
Yeah, what was supposed? Okay, we're not to call him that one, but we can call him another. I've forgotten which one. Anyway, let's just put it this way: both Mike and, and me are very, very, very jealous because. Well, uh, I, I, I love Windows as much as I love the Mac. I just don't use it all the time. I just wish I had more of a use for it, and I wasn't so ingrained in the Mac and didn't do not another Mac podcast. But yeah, anyway, um, look, I. I, 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 I just want to find out more about Windows 10. And I think what I like most about it is the linkage between the desktop and the Windows phone and that link there. Because from what I've read and from what I understand, it seems like they've done a lot of work to make the experience seamless. Well, I can't answer that because I don't have a Windows phone. But I will say when you fire up Windows 10, it's a right nice experience. Now, I haven't had more than a couple hours to play with it because it took me a long time to figure out how to get it installed in a VM using VirtualBox. Um, Because to get the ISOs to work, then it turned out I had a bad ISO, so I had to download them. But you can download uh, a copy of the Windows 10 technical preview for free. And it's, it's very simple. You download it. Uh, if you know how to use VirtualBox, it's even quicker to configure it, which I'm now learning a lot more about VirtualBox because I had not used it a whole lot before. Uh, but I did build a Windows 10 desktop, and when you click on the uh, start button, so to speak, as it is, it's back now, it brings up the tiles that you so love, uh, Mike. Or yes, with, the Metro style. Well, it, what it does is it brings them up. The traditional Windows interface is when you clicked on the start button, you got a you know like a tree yep. menu. Well, now it brings up the tiles, but they don't take over the desktop. They're Ooh, part of the nice. desktop. And you can then... So click you, you've still got your start menu down there, and you dock yep. down the bottom, I'll take it. Yep. yep. And you can then click on, like, uh, the the, the uh, Skype icon or the uh, OneDrive icon or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. else. I haven't installed a lot of apps on it yet. Um, but it's it's a pretty neat interface. Now, would it peel me away from the Mac? No, it's not going to do that. But if I've got to use both, this makes me look back again because, I mean, 8.1 was isn't that bad, but 7's a much better put, experience. 8.1 is great on certain hardware. I think that's the key with any Windows um, install, frankly, is the hardware has to be perfect and it's got to not have crapware all over it. So you've got to do a fresh install. Um because if you can do that, then Windows is very solid and very good and runs smoothly and, and doesn't cause too much grief. But if you leave it with all the Dell crap and Toshiba crap on there from all the third parties, you're going to have problems. And, uh, yeah, so and, – and it's also the hardware. You know, if you put it on a decent system, Kevin, as you've mentioned many times before, your uh, Dell at work is extremely fast. Um, so you have a decent powered machine, it, it's going to run it beautifully. Well, and I had toyed with the idea of getting a touchscreen uh, computer and replacing the TV in the dining room with it because that one you would be standing in front of from time to time. You wouldn't want to do it with your living room TV, or at least what I have in mind here. But with the touchscreen, you could mount it on there and you could go up and let's say you want to, uh, you know, you could. I've got a tuner that I could put on it so I could get uh, live TV on there. So mm-hmm. I could have it set up and with the touchscreen interface, you could just touch the TV icon, have your TV come up and start playing, and then you'd have to use a remote to change the channels. Or if you want to, uh, because on my um, 
uh, HP that I bought this summer over here. I've got Netflix on there. I got Hulu. I've got um, um, uh, let's see. Well, the video services on there. I got a bunch of different things, and I can just if I'm sitting there, I don't have to get the keyboard. Or if I, the way I've got things set up, if I'm uh, using the the trackball over here on the the Mac playing uh, Minecraft, I can still on the touch screen uh, reach over there and start something playing or stop it or something like that. And I'm thinking, you know, for a um, uh, dining room uh, TV where you wouldn't uh, want to have to be messing with a mouse or a uh, keyboard or something to, to do things, to watch things, uh, that might not be a bad way to do it. And it works uh, reasonably well. I should sit here with mine and uh, try some other things on it just to see how well it would work. But, um, you know, that would give you an entertainment device in your uh, living room or uh, in your dining room where you wouldn't have to be because uh, I did have a fire uh, TV stick hooked up to it but you know then you have to get to that interface and you have to switch back and forth if you could have kind of an all-in-one TV experience that might not be a bad way to do it well you know there's a lot of the uh, we've talked uh, recently about the HP stream devices I've mentioned them because they look interesting to me the the lap box lap box laptops that uh, they're like 200 to 230 dollars they come with windows 8.1 but hp's also uh introduced uh this year i think they did it at ces and they're now available these little miniature pcs that are almost like the uh uh chromebox or whatever they call them they're just a miniature pc desktop pc a very basic little thing you can it's the uh i think the hp one is the uh, uh, what is it called? HP Stream, Streambox, or something like that. But they're very basic little PCs running Windows 8.1. Again, same specs, but without the uh, laptop built around them. But these, I've actually seen people taking them apart and upgrading the RAM and upgrading the storage inside of these things. But it's about not much bigger than uh, my Roku box. You could stick it on the back of your TV, and boom. You've got a full-fledged computer that you can run right there in the living room if you wanted to. It's a very good concept. It's really interesting. Well, you know what, guys? I've got something even better for you than that. Go ahead. You want to know what it is? No, but you're going to tell us anyway. I'm going to tell you anyway, and you're going to have to listen to me. You guys know the brand Alienware? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so anyone who doesn't know, it's a gaming PC brand that was bought out by Dell, I want to say, five years ago or so, and now Dell runs it. Well, Dell has released the Alienware Alpha console, and it's a console that works off the back end of Steam, and it works with an Xbox 360 controller plugged straight into your TV. Uh, it's got all the connectivity you could possibly want, and it is upgradable. CPU is upgradable, RAM's upgradable, 32 gigabytes, and you can swap out the slow 5400 RPM drive for a 7200 or an SSD. You just can't upgrade the the uh, graphics card, but the graphics card is pretty decent anyway. Uh, but what it does is it's actually a PC as well. So you've got a, a PC in your living room, that you can use as a, a regular Windows 8.1 box plus a gaming console. And I've got to tell you, I am really, really, really eager to pick one of these up because it provides a solution that I don't feel gaming systems give us. And what I mean by that is 
there's a few games that I still want to play that was released in the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's a couple of Assassin's Creed that I've missed and, and stuff like that. Um, but the good thing about the Alienware console is this can play any PC-based game. I mean, I could get a Star Wars game from the mid-90s and it will still run. Uh, it will still play. So you've got the backwards compatibility, whereas if I want to uh, play a PlayStation 3 game, for instance, I've got to have the PlayStation 3 plus the PlayStation 4 so that I can get the new games. But with a game in PC, you don't need that. The only thing you're missing out of is exclusives. You're not going to get the whole Halo franchise. You're not going to get the whole Gears of War franchise, the whole Uncharted franchise, God of War, um, all that kind of stuff. So if you're into the, the franchise games... Uh, you're stuffed. You, you've got to get the consoles. But something like Assassin's Creed, something like Call of Duty, Medal of Honor, uh, Need for Speed, Grid, you name it, uh, Diablo, uh, anything really, it will play on this machine and use your TV. And full 1080p, and from what I've seen on the, the specs and the reviews and so forth, it's not shabby and it's... Basically, on, on the entry level, the i3, uh, Core i3 model outperforms already the 360 and the PlayStation 4, and you can go up to an i7, or you can just upgrade it yourself. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen that. I saw um, I saw a review of that. The one thing that, that I saw that these little things that I'm talking about, that HP released, these little stream boxes or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. is that these are fanless. Where yes, the Alienware is is not fanless. That, and can that get is noisy, I've heard. Yes, uh, noisier than the PlayStation Three. Uh, sorry, the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One. Uh, think gaming PC loudness, and you know, the, there's two fans in there. Uh, one for the CPU, one for the GPU. Yeah. And it, it, look, it runs hot. I mean, it's a PC in a tiny little box that's smaller than the Wii U box in size. So. Uh, they've got to call it somehow, and look, this is like version 1.0 of this too. Um, it's still pretty cool out of the box for what they've been able to achieve, in my opinion, though. And I, look, I'm I'm getting a bit back into gaming now, and, and my kids are sort of encouraging this because they're at that age where they really want to get into gaming. And the thing, it just irks me that if I want to play certain games on the consoles or if I want to play them in chronological order, if it's something like Assassin's Creed, I need to have multiple gaming systems. And I don't want to keep a PlayStation 3 to play four games. I want them working on the PlayStation 4 or vice versa, the Xbox One over the Xbox 360. And both these companies, both Sony and Microsoft, aren't providing a a good experience and an alternative. Yes, uh, Microsoft did do the... uh, the Halo Master Chief collection, uh, where it had the five key games from the series remastered for the Xbox One. That's great, but they also missed, I think, three games out of the series um, that were not part of that Master Chief main thing. Like uh, I'm thinking uh, Halo 3 ODST, which um, was a, a different style of game. They didn't put that in there. They didn't remaster that. So if you like that game you've still got to have the 360 to play it. And to me, it's just it's ridiculous to have two consoles to play one franchise. Nintendo did a good thing where they've got the Wii U compatibility in there. Um, 
uh, sorry, the Wii compatibility and the Wii U. And even recently, they've been on their eShop, they've been bringing out the Wii games on there, and I've picked up a few digitally, which is fantastic, and I wish they'd do it with GameCube. Um, and it, it's just uh, that kind of stuff is cool, but Microsoft and Sony, they're, they're missing something there. But that, that's where this Alienware concept comes in to be a little bit better. And, and the thing I like, if I buy a game today, I, I, I can have it and, and it's on Steam and when I upgrade the system, I don't need to worry about not being able to play that game anymore. I can I can play it on the new system. It's on Steam. It'll work on Windows. Done. Yeah, that is nice to have that ability to, to move the games around, so to speak, and not be uh, locked. Locked in. Lock, yeah. lock, locked into... Not only an ecosystem, but a set piece of hardware. I think that's the worst part is that you are locked in to a set piece of hardware. And see, part of the issue, too, is that they changed the architecture. They did basically what uh, Apple did um, years ago when they went from PowerPC to Intel chip. Only they've gone from uh, Intel to AMD. or, or no, No, they went from Intel to ARM, I think it was. Uh, with the new consoles, and they both did it, and it was like, oh, okay. So there's no, and they didn't build in emulation or anything, and it's, it's a mess. It really, and truth be told, they didn't really do in the previous editions. Uh, the Xbox 360 had some backwards compatibility for a while. So did the PlayStation 3 to the PlayStation 2, but they're not really companies that want you to be able to play legacy games and. I mean, people collect games. It's a collector's thing. It's an enjoyable thing to do. And the last thing I want to do is go, oh, man, I, I've got to try and find a, an overpriced PlayStation 3 to play this game or, you know, PlayStation 1 to play this game and, you know, and then, you know, to keep playing it. It's like, really? No, I don't want that. So, yeah, my gaming system of choice at the moment, I'm leaning very heavily towards the Alienware. And specifically because you can upgrade it too. You open up an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4, you void the warranty. Yeah, that's true. That's that's the interesting thing about these uh, these little PCs. that I mean, you can void the warranty, but you can still open them up and actually do something with them. I think it's uh, either... And that plays to the geek culture really you know that that's what we are we like tinkering yeah there's there's another one out there called gigabit or gigabyte where they and i think it's new egg it's either new egg or fries i think that sells them they're basic little pcs that come without the ram and without the storage in them so you buy it it has the the cpu and everything else like that and again it's a fanless design uh, same mm-hmm. idea, but you have you get to choose. So if you've got enough money where you want a small thing, it's a full fledged PC. You can go out and buy yourself a 250 gigabyte SSD, stick that in there, and put in four gigs of RAM, and you've got a fast little system. And then you can install whatever OS you want on it. Mm-hmm. You're not locked in. You can do Linux. You can do uh, Windows. You could probably might be able to Hackintosh one. You know, it could it could really be interesting what you could do with one of these little things. It, it's a good Definitely. place to see the market going. I mean, as far as geek goes, yeah. it actually makes me want to quote unquote build a system again. I haven't done it for so so long. Yeah, I I know. I, I've got to agree with you, Kevin. It's it's one of those things that makes me go, okay, I I just want to tinker now, and 
because we, we, I think for a long time we, we got out of that tinkering world and we went to the stability of Mac. And the problem with Mac and iOS, whilst they're great and they work and we can do plenty of stuff and we enjoy the interface and the experience, it is a very locked down ex- experience. You can't even do a basic thing like upgrade the RAM, even in the uh, iOS device. <laughs> Your 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 Mark 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 Your your Cyloning really really badly right there. There you go. That means you've got to talk. I do. Well, I'm talking, and I was trying. Did, did, did you hear it too, Mark? A uh, mic? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just. I'm lost looking at these devices. You got me wanting to <laughs> buy shit now, people. Thank you very much. But uh, That's all right. but you were talking about you know not being able to upgrade the Mac and all that, or not being able to upgrade right. add storage to the iOS devices. That is the downfall of, in my opinion, of iOS devices. And face it, mm-hmm. Apple's not going to let us do that. They're just not going to. No, do that. they're not. They're not ever going to allow us to do that. It's a shame, but uh, you know what? I, I guess at the same time they know their market. And their market is more for the people who don't want to tinker. And whereas I'm, I'm on the fence. I like things to be stable and work, but I also want something to play with. I want something to tinker with, and not just the interface or, or you know, how are my icons arranged on the home screen or on the dock. I, I want to be able to tweak it and change it and have some fun with it and make a mistake and go, oh, gee, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Well, I think uh, that's the advantage that these new cheap little PCs offer you. Is if you mm-hmm. you know even if it's the Alienware box, it's the HP box that I dropped the boxes that I dropped the link into you. You know whatever it is. I mean, it does give you that that chance to tinker. We can always run home to our Mac, so to speak, and everything just works for the most part. But you know, it does give you that chance to tinker and play with things and and kick things around, and that, you know. We're not even going to go into the whole Mac Mini upgrade crap with this new version of the Mac Mini. I don't know why they did what they did, but that's... uh, I heard somebody... I had a conversation with somebody today on Twitter. It was Brett, and uh, he was saying, you know, his opinion is this is just a stopgap until a more improved version of the Mini comes out. So, But we'll see. Uh, I doubt doubt that. Why why would they go backwards before going forwards? They could have kept going with the the original... uh, setup that they had a couple of years ago uh, you know let's let's look at it this way they kept the mac pro um dying on its feet for years without touching it they they kept the ipod classic doing the same they're a company that can keep pumping out the same stuff that's old uh and keep selling it until they do something magical they don't need to come out with something that's half the computer the previous version was, and then suddenly, oh, well, well look, now we're going to do something. I mean, hell, maybe in seven days when they do this uh, this new presentation, they'll turn around and, you know, that's what is it, leap forward or something they call it or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, maybe they will, but, you know, I could be proven wrong about this, but I, I just think that basically um, that they've gone backwards at saving money, they're making more money, and I think it's at the stage, if we, if we look at what they're doing, they're putting... Uh, core i3, i5 processors, and I think i5 across the board, uh, running 1.4 gigahertz. Now I've got that. I've got a 1.3 i5 uh, running in my MacBook Air, 
and it's great. It's it's perfectly powerful. It does everything I need it to do and more. I can I can play um, games on it without an, an issue and decent quality games at decent frame rates. Um, but it's got the SSD drive in it. The the minute you go for a spinning drive in a 1.4 gigahertz i5 is the the minute that everything comes crashing down around your ears, and so I I I just I look at it and I'm just I'm gobsmacked. I'm like, why would they do this other than it's that they figure well the people who are buying it uh, don't intend to do this on it and this will be good enough. They're they're basically doing what they do with iOS which is saying this will be good enough, we know what's better for you. And um, I think that's Apple's um, game plan at the moment is to tell people what they want rather than letting people decide for themselves what's best. Yeah, but that's, to be all, to, in all honesty, for how many years that has been their plan. And it's worked out well for them. Yeah. And, and and I'm okay with that. I, again, I don't want the listeners to think that... But I, I don't want to go backwards, Kevin. I think that's the, the big issue this time around. It's the fact that they're going backwards and making the technology perform at a lesser standard than they had in the previous model. That's... Yeah, no, that I see what you're doesn't saying. doesn't make any sense. It, I, I can I can certainly understand saying, listen, this is the pinnacle of the experience that the the person who's buying this box we believe that they need. I can understand them doing that, but why would they go from something that was really good to make it half as good and say, well, now you're stuck with this? It's the same with the twenty one point five inch iMac. I would never buy one again, and I would warn everyone not to buy one again. They are crap. They are non upgradable. And they have no power whatsoever. They've got laptop hard drives in them. And unless you get an SSD or a, or a Fusion drive built in it as a build-to-order option, you're going to have a, 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 a brick in a couple of years' time that won't run a damn thing. Yeah, it's, it is kind of disappointing. That's why when I go to replace, uh, and I have no plans anytime in the future because my iMac now you know, going on, what, four years is still perfectly serviceable and capable of doing anything I want it to do, I imagine I'll get six or seven years out of this thing easy. Um, and, you know, regardless of how much you spend, and I think some people make this argument too that, you know, that there's, oh, well, it only costs you, you know, 400 $500, you know, don't get so bent out of shape for a, a Mac Mini or, you know, maybe uh, $1,200 for the iMac, but... I don't know about you guys, but geez, any amount of money it is a lot of money to me. That's over about a hundred dollars. You know, that's that's not going to be an easy decision. Which one do I I get, and so forth. So, you know, I just, I just don't want to see people with their hard earned dollars screwed out of their money, and then get a substandard product just because a company thinks that they know best. Well, you know what's other, interesting too, and I tweeted this out earlier today, is I noticed that. Usually when the Mac Minis would come into the refurb store, if you did not act fast, and Mike and I were talking about this, what, a month or maybe a month ago, um, they they came in, they went right back out of the refurb store because they would be good deals mm-hmm. on these devices. I well, noticed, especially with the previous models with the quad cores. Exactly. Uh, and I you know, noticed, now, now they're right across the board, dual core. It's like even the top model, you can't get a quad core. And it's like, um, please... Tim Cook, explain that stupidity to me. It's like, my God, what? What's the point? I, I just, I, I know that we, 
we're arguing over stuff that we agree with, but it just, it's like, there's, there's no point to this product anymore. How is that going to entice anyone to jump away from Windows? Because you can get a Windows box that's more capable, more upgradable for a cheaper price. Why would you jump? That was always the, the computer to get the Windows guys into the Mac. And now... The Windows guys will go on, do, look at the reviews, and the reviews say, you know what, the previous edition was twice as fast and twice as powerful and, and much better. And then they're going to go, well, I'm not buying that. That's crap. It, well, it just, and we're talking about it. <laughs> and yeah, every Mac person's talking about it. You know, it, it's like Apple do some brilliant things, and then they do some downright freaking stupid things. When, and what gets me, though, is like, like I was saying, the 2012 and prior versions, when they came into the refurb store, back out they went. And, of mm-hmm. course, but I notice now when the 2014s are coming into the refurb store, they're staying. They're not going <laughs> around a while. Yeah, they're not, they're not going out the door as quickly as the 2012s. Oh. And, of course, then there's Mr. Shepard, uh, or, yeah, yeah that uh, he buys them and then he just leaves them in the cellophane to annoy you. Yeah, he's just a weirdo. Well, I'll have to see. My son bought a uh, one of the previous generation Mac Minis. Um, I think the it wasn't the entry level. I think it was the mid level one somewhere in there. And he was going to use it to set up uh, to do run servers and stuff on. But he hasn't gotten around to it. And I don't know. I'm trying to get him to um, maybe you know sell him uh, sell uh, sell me his uh, hopefully at a you know a daddy discounted price or something like that but um that would be nice but yeah to go out and the, the new ones no i won't even think about it but now kevin has got me looking at this uh this this hp stream mini the the low point one the 179 um it's got a 32 gig uh ssd in it um and a celeron processor but i'm thinking cuz i've got a big old uh windows uh Oh, it's a uh, the the old uh, Core Two Quad um, processor out there running basically as a server for my media and for my uh, play on software and stuff like that. I'm uh, thinking because this one here is 179 dollars, small, no fan. Uh, it's got um, USB ports on it. Is it four? Four yeah, USB I think it's ports. Four. Yeah. Um, so I could uh, probably run because I right now I run uh, Plex, I run PlayOn, and I run um, oh shoot, what's the other one uh, for accessing my files? Um, oh, Tonito, a Tonito server, and I think um, that would run. I would think that that would run those uh, well enough, and I got all my uh, movies and stuff so- stored on um, external hard drives. And I think they are when I bought them. I think they were USB three, so they would work really good on there. So now I'm just thinking about you know shutting down the old, uh, or maybe turning it into a Linux box or something out there. The the big old uh, processor out there and running this thing for my uh, all those services that I use in my media center out there. Um, now I, you know, now I want to spend money. Well, then my job is done here for you. Then, yeah, you evil, evil person. And then the thing is, uh, you know, this thing will even uh, it, you can run dual displays on this thing. Yeah, and that's yeah, because you can run uh, HDMI and what's the other DVI? It has another. Is it uh, DisplayPort? Yeah, DisplayPort. So yeah, you can you can really do a lot with that little thing, but. 
Yeah, the Mac Mini thing is just bugging me. If I, if I come across a good deal on a 2012 vintage Mini, I'm going to snag that sucker up. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because I need to replace the uh, Mini the kids use anyway. And if I don't do that, then this could be one of these little HP stream boxes. could be the next PC the kids get to use. Well, so the, the problem is that there's not really anything on the entry-level side of Apple that's worth the money anymore, except for really the MacBook Air, in my opinion, because they screwed over the iMac, uh, and they screwed over the, the Mac Mini, and so you've got to step it up and pay a lot more, and, you know, Kevin, as you said, you, you're looking at it for the usage of the family or the kids, and, and um, you know, you don't necessarily want to spend a, a large amount of cash there either. Um, you know, it's not the... You know, you don't want to get them cool stuff, but money doesn't grow on trees. And, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, that the entry level products for the Mac lineup um, from Apple is just, it's abysmal at this point in time, with really only the MacBook Air being viable, in my opinion, under the $1,000 price point. Um, now, in, in saying that the MacBook Air, um, that likely won't appeal to everyone either um so i i I think apple's missing a a big portion of the community though yeah i would agree i I think they need to do something again you know it would be simply in my opinion make the mac mini upgradable like it was a little bit you know yeah well look they've got such a, a difference up, up to the Mac Pro, and you know, a friend of mine who's in IT and he loves running virtual servers off his 2012 uh, Mac Mini. He took one, look at it, and he goes, "This is ridiculous. I'd have to buy two to replace one." And then we were looking, and we were looking at the the iMacs, of course, and it's like, "Yep, totally underpowered." Plus, they're not headless. You've you've got the display on, and yes, I know you can turn the display off, but there's no point if you want to run a server. Why would you run an iMac? That, that, that's stupid. Um, and then he said, "Okay, well, you know, then I've got to look at a four thousand dollar, and that's what the price is: the three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars uh, in Australia for the Mac Pro." And you can't get any any cheaper. So it, it's like there's a whole range of, of computers that Apple isn't making. Yeah, it's it's it that, is. They've sad. just gone. Well, you know what? You have this poxy piece of crap over here, or you have this really high end powerhouse, but you get nothing at all in between. And I don't mind if they want to have a, a really cheap entry level Mac Mini, a really cheap entry level uh, iMac. But don't make that the only option. I, I think Apple needs to expand their options. If anything, now we're seeing with so many options that the mini computers uh, you're talking about, uh, like the Raspberry Pis, the other, you know, all the very, you, you go and you look at PCs now, and it's incredible all the different styles you can get and everything. I really think Apple need to start expanding and need to start offering different tiers. I'm not saying they need to go back to where they were in the 90s or, or be like a Dell or a HP, but they definitely need to expand a little bit more so that, that there's not so many big gaping holes and it's not either we you know, spend so much money that you know, div- the divorce with the better half is cheaper or we spend <laughs> so little that we're constantly going... I'm not happy with this. I didn't get what I really wanted because I could only afford this. And that that's what does like me. And it likes me a bit with the iPhone because I get 16 gig models and, and Gretel got a 16 gig 6 plus and she loves it. 
but she's already filled it up and it's already a hassle and and then the other files you guys know that bloody fiasco what's this other file you can't see it you can't delete it it's just other and over time it builds up and builds up basically it's just cached files that just haven't deleted themselves and removed themselves from the drive but the the big issue is that you've got no expandability in these devices so i buy the 16 gigabyte drives why because that's what i can afford that's what my budget permits you know i'm poor hey shoot me but you know what if i go and if yeah thanks if i go android or windows phone i can upgrade with just a memory stick when i feel like it or when i can afford it or i can have multiple memory sticks and swap them around as need be and Apple doesn't do this stuff. They they say, you know what? If you can only afford a 16 gig, then that's what you're stuck with until you get another device. And, I mean, we, we saw it. They kept the 16 gigs with the 6s in, in play, but then they made the 32, the 64. Now, going to the 64 is a, a great move, but when I'm, I'm paying $1,000 for an iPhone without a case because I, I buy them outright, well, an extra $130 to go up in storage, it, you know, that, that's a bit of money to then consider. It's then, holy shit, this thin. I, I mean, honestly, Gretel's iPhone 6 Plus costs more than my MacBook Air by about $100. And that's ridiculous. Wow. It's absolutely mind-blowingly insane. So I, I just, I look at it and I'm, I'm getting so fed up with with all this stuff, it's not funny. It's just, it's really rubbing me up the wrong way. And I know I, I you know, what's funny. I did NAMP earlier today and I wasn't in, in such a, an aggravated mood, but when I get on with you guys and we start to talk about the options and I, I look back and I go, you know what? I'm sick of the Apple stuff because I'm sick of being told this is what you should be using. And I don't mind being guided. I don't mind, having advice thrown at me but boy being stuck with 16 gigs because that's all you can afford today sucks you know it, well, and, and and even sizes are fine i mean they 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 should that they should have more sizes because the six plus is too bloody big for me anyway bullshit um the the standard six is adequate but what if I want the 5S size? They, they should have flexibility. They, look, they should even have the, the old 4S size, the 5S size, and then the two new ones and have them with all new innards and update them frequently. They look so hard for Apple to do this. Other than, the, other than they, uh, they're just arrogant. You tiny hand little man, I tell you. I don't know. No, no, it's, it's, it's my pockets, Kevin. I, um, when, when I sit... When I sit down, my, my pockets are rather shallow. And when I sit down, because I wear shorts a lot, and uh, when I sit down, my 5S slides out of my pocket all the time. Um, so the thing is I don't want to have to carry it like a, a, a man phone purse kind of thing. That's called a merce to you. Um, there we go. But now see, well, I don't have that problem because I carry it in my breast pocket on my shirt. Because I wear shirts with breast pockets mostly. Yeah, but I, I don't like I don't like putting anything in the breast pocket because it makes me man boobs look out of alignment. Are you saying that you're off kilter or something? There is there something you want to yeah, well, say? Well, well, see, when, when I when I take a look, at, look when I take a look at them, they're actually quite even. But if oh. I put anything in the pocket, then then I'll I'll, I'll look sort of wonky. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Oh, I don't, I've got good a, lord! I've got a picture now that. 
I, I need a melon ball or I got to scoop up my eyeballs. <laughs> I'm seeing man boobs. I need brain, oh. I need brain bleach is what I need. <laughs> no kidding. Can I swill a, swill about a gallon of that? Oh That's my silly. god! And I and I think that after we've discussed Mark's man boobs, or as he likes to call them, moobs, that maybe we, it might be time <laughs> for us to wrap up the show this week, folks. Because I think I'm going to be sick. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how I do it. I mean, we had so many more topics to talk about, but it must have must have just been the jiggling man boobs that put Kevin over the top straight after dinner. Yep, and here comes dinner. No. <laughs> so, no, but, boy, uh, don't. But no, yeah, I'm having a hard time holding it down right now. The <laughs> hairy moves. Oh God, get that out of my head! Damn it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I got the hairy chest, so they are hairy. Okay, man. okay, okay, okay. Stop, stop. <laughs> Before we lose our one listener that we have. Oh, oh okay. Well, I better say this, listener. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, you need to put that on a. I'll I'll date myself here. You need to put that on an eight track and just continuously play that over and say, over. A continuous loop of that. Listeners, he's sorry. Oh dear. Anyway. Well, I'm, I'm not sorry for grossing out Kevin and Mike. That's fun. Yeah. You, you guys just uh, had to, to listen in on it, unfortunately. So so I'm sorry that you thank, had to listen in. Thank God for no video tonight. I know. Thank the Lord. Small favors. Small favors. <laughs> uh, anyway, why, since we're wrapping up the show on that brother depraved and sick note why don't you start to get you the hell out of here mark why don't you tell them where the hell they can find out more about you if they even want to at this point yeah i'm sure they don't but if they do head across to markgreentree.com oh dear mike if if you're if you if you don't have a mouthful of vomit do you want to let them know where you can be found <laughs> yeah if people want to send me notes of sympathy for this podcast uh you can do it on twitter at dsc chipman or if you want to find out the the things that i do that actually justify my existence you can find that over on uh, uh my about.me page at about.me slash mike mcpeak that's m-c-p-e-e-k Yes, folks, and if you want to find out more about me and if I vomit, I promise not to take a picture of it. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A, or you can go over to my about.me page at forward slash Kevin Alder. I've got two L's, Mike's got two E's, and I think I'm going to be L-E sick really right now. Anyway, folks, we want to thank you. Oh, dear God. I listed inside. I've got double D's. Oh, God, here he goes again. <laughs> folks, we've got to get the hell out of here now. We've got to go. So please, folks, we thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about the show, go to geekiestshowever.com and don't mention Mark's moves when you do it. And if you give us a review in iTunes, we appreciate it. And again, leave Mark's moves out of it. So, we thank you for listening to the show. And uh, please remember, between now and next week, if you do nothing else, don't forget but to hug a geek. Hey, guy. There's a new podcast out. Great. What's it about? Let's Talk Apple. Well, yeah, we will. We will. But uh, what's the podcast called? Let's Talk Apple. <sighs> okay, if you want to. Uh, Rainier, Silken, Gold Rush, Pippin. What are you on about? I'm talking Apple. Huh? That's what you wanted, wasn't it? Us talking about apples? Well, there we go again. Tangentially, as usual, moving off topic. Did you know Bart Bouchotts has a new podcast out? Yep. Let's talk Apple. Oh, jeez. <laughs>